0: Let us open our Bibles to James chapter 2. We're going to begin our reading at verse 14, because in verse 14, Paul starts a new thought. Earlier in the chapter, and it does continue even later in the chapter, there is, we may not hold some higher in the church and look down at others, but we have to look with love at all of the members. But now is a new thought, and really, verses 14 through 26 are really the crux or is the climax of this whole letter of James practical ways that we carry out our faith. What doth it profit, my brethren, and these verses 14 through 17 are my text. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things that are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Wasn't that Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works, A man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as by the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Again this evening. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, this pericope of scripture has often raised eyebrows. For the question arises, does the Apostle James contradict the Apostle Paul? Paul teaches us that we are saved by faith without works. James says that faith without works is dead. We are saved by works. Beloved, that contradiction is imaginary. James is not speaking about works apart from faith, but he is speaking about a living and active faith that becomes evident in our lives, it becomes evident by our speech, it becomes evident by our lives, by our works, by our deeds. A faith that works, we are saved by that faith. So justified by a faith that works, notice with me, it is justification through faith, through faith alone. Notice second of all then, a dead faith, and then thirdly, a living faith that works. Justification is that act of God where he declares to the guilty sinner that he is free from his sin, he is free from his guilt, and he is worthy of eternal life. What a message that is. What an act of God. Because by nature, all of us are guilty, aren't we? We are dead in sin. We are worthy of the wrath of God. In Adam, we all died. And that's the way we are born, dead in sin, apart from regeneration. Regeneration. The natural mind, according to Romans 8 verse 7, is hatred against God and is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, but by God's grace. We have been from eternity chosen by God and given to Jesus Christ. And we are justified then by that blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross. And the benefit of our justification then is that our original sin in Adam, as well as our actual sins that you and I do every day of the week, they are forgiven. God's sentence to us is not guilty. What an amazing thing. We who know by our own conscience that we sin against him day and day and day again in the way of sorrow for sin that's worked in us by God, confessing our sin, repenting of it, turning from it, God by his spirit declares to us not guilty, innocent, as if we had never, never sinned. Because we are saved in Christ Jesus. And saved in Christ Jesus, we're no longer dead in sin, but we have been made alive in Christ Jesus. And sin no longer has lordship over our lives, no longer has power over our lives. We are righteous. Adopted by God to be his sons and daughters and then to live as his sons and daughters, obedient children, heirs of eternal life. Saved by Christ Jesus. You see, we are not only forgiven, that's only part of Christ's work. We are not only forgiven, but we are washed by the blood and spirit of Christ, also from the filth and the pollution or the power of sin. Our shackles are broken. Our captives are banished, set free, forgiven, declared righteous, adopted as sons and daughters, and we have the hope of eternal life. And we receive all those benefits by God's gift of faith. What is faith? Faith is a living bond by which we are united to Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ gives several different illustrations of that. Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. We are branches that are grafted into Christ Jesus. Now there is a difference in that that use of that illustration because the farmer would never take a dead stick, a dead branch, and try to graft it into a tree. It would remain dead. But God does take us who were dead in sin and he graciously by his spirit grafts us into Christ and then the life of Christ flows into us. And that life of Christ is an active, living life that produces fruit in our lives. Or Paul uses another illustration of the olive tree, doesn't he? The dead branches of the Jewish religion were broken off from that olive tree and now grafted in were wild olive branches that would take their life from that olive tree and produce fruit. That living bond with Christ Jesus, out of which flow all the blessings of salvation. We know God then as our Father. We know God as the one who provides for all that we stand in need of, spiritually and also physically. We know Him as the God of our salvation. And we trust in him, don't we? He is our Lord. He is our Savior. In him alone we have this new life. And that living bond that whereby we're united to Christ Jesus is God's gift to us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. United to Christ Jesus. United to him by his word and by his spirit. That is how Christ Jesus preserves us in that faith. Keeps us one with himself. A living faith. So that we know, we believe, and we trust in him. Boys and girls, perhaps in Sunday school you knew that song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That, beloved, is the fruit of a lively, living faith. God works that in us God strengthens that faith in us. We live out of Christ Jesus, so we trust him, we look to him, we live for him, we serve him. Living faith produces fruit, the fruit of good works. Works that have their source in our love for God, in our love for our neighbor. It belongs to the very nature of faith that it bears fruit. If you will remember Jesus Christ, he was hungry as he was walking to Jerusalem and he saw a fig tree. It was early in the season. One would not think there would be fruit on it yet, but there was all the leaves there and evidently with a fig tree, the leaves come out when the fruit is there. But Jesus went up to that fig tree And there was no fruit. And he cursed it. That fig tree was a picture of Israel in its apostasy. They claimed they were children of God. They claimed that they believed in God. But there was not love in their hearts for God and loving obedience that would flow from it. There was no fruit. Those branches were broken off from the olive tree so that other branches by God's grace could be grafted in you and me as Gentiles. Christ lives in us and we live out of him. Christ works in us. As we read in Philippians 2, we did this morning, Christ works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure so that we we work out our salvation. We work with fear and trembling, a living faith. Works are produced that come out of faith, are the product of faith. Done for God's glory, the catechism says. Done according to God's law. Obedience. Fruit bearing. All of grace. You and I have been created as new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are God's workmanship, aren't we? And we do good works that have been ordained for us so that we should walk in those good works. God's mighty work in us so that by a living faith in Christ Jesus, we're like a plant. Would you care to have all kinds of plants in your gardens if they produce no fruit on them? No flowers at all on them? You tear them out. A living faith produces works, trust, obedience. And it is that kind of faith, a living faith, by that fruit bearing gift of grace, God saves us in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. This probably is also the beauty of preaching through a book of the Bible. Not just picking and choosing what passages you want to. Otherwise, probably wouldn't preach on this one right now with the controversy that we went through with those who have left us. They claim that we had a conditional covenant because we do teach that there is work of faith, there is the activity of faith, that our faith must produce good works. Justified by that faith over against the error of the Roman Catholicism in the 1600s, Rome taught there that we are justified by our works. That is, they switched sanctification and justification around. They said because God works in us, we produce righteous works, and therefore we are saved. Rather than the other way around. We are saved by God through faith. Justified. And that justification implies then that Christ, who forgives us our sins, also works in us a will to live for him, to live obediently. Our mother church taught and continues to teach a conditional covenant. And then a Presbyterian man who many of you probably knew as well as I did in South Holland, taught federal theology in the Christian Farm Church, that we are justified by our faith and our obedience. It's a wrong theology. We are saved by faith alone, a God-given gift But what kind of a faith is it? It's not a dead faith, but a living faith, a vibrant faith. Christ's life within us produces fruit, abundant fruit to God's glory. We read in Romans chapter 3, verse 20 and 28. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We can't add to what Jesus Christ did for us. We're saved by Christ's work alone. But that faith is a fruitful Faith. Galatians 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no man be justified. You and I will not look at our works and say, okay, yes, I know for sure I'm saved because I'm going to look at those works. We look at the cross of Jesus Christ, and there we see he died in my place. My sins are gone, but also the chains of sin, the power of sin, the domination of sin has been ripped away from us so that we are now set free to serve God in our lives. James is bringing this out here in order to contrast counterfeit faith, fake faith, over against a true living faith. And so he warns about a dead faith, doesn't he? That is possible for one to say all the right words, to know all the words of Scripture but not to have a living faith. Notice how the James puts this, if a man says he has faith. So it's not now works added to faith, but faith that works, a living faith. If a man say he has faith, can that save him? Now, James does not say, the Holy Spirit is not saying here, if a man hath faith, can faith save him? That's absurd. If a man has living faith, true faith, yes, that faith does save him. But James write, if a man says he has faith and has not any works, he's writing about those what we would call dead orthodoxy. They know the right doctrines. They can quote the doctrines. They can even hint out heresy. But it doesn't affect them. It's something in their minds and not in their hearts. And so on Sunday, they are super Christian, active in church but on Monday they go right back to their sins wallowing them them, like a pig that's been washed at the fair but then goes wallowing again in the mud, in the sin. People who claim to have faith but who in fact do not have the works of faith. That is a dead faith. Oh, they may believe many things They may believe that God exists. But as James writes, even the devil believes that and trembles. He may believe that he is a sinner, worthless in God's sight. He might know his Bible backwards and forwards. He might attend church regularly. Send his children to catechism and to the Christian school. He might give to the kingdom causes. Oh yes, he may know the reformed faith. Detecting heresy. He may come to the communion table with you and me. But if one cannot see that faith in his or her life, If he or she is no different from the ungodly, if there's no change in the person, if he continues to have no works of faith, what does it profit him? How is there an advantage of all those things? It's worthless. It's worthless. dead faith what doth it profit what advantage is a dead faith which is nothing more than mouthing the words of faith but it not coming out of the heart a faith that has no works a faith that has no works to the glory of God is worthless. James asks, can that kind of faith save him? And the answer is never. Never. It's dead faith. Now notice the question. Not can faith save him, but can that faith, can this kind of faith without works save him And the answer is no. And so James gives, by the Holy Spirit, two illustrations, doesn't he? First of all, there is the illustration that you are met by someone who is poor and needy. Doesn't have proper clothes, maybe during the winter, to keep him sheltered from the cold. Does not have money to buy the next meal for himself, or for his family. And he approaches you. Will you please help me? And then imagine if you would say the words to him. Oh, I care about you. I care about you. Go in peace. Be warmed and be filled. Nice words, but empty words, aren't they? Nice words, but empty if you don't give him those very things that he's asking of you. You don't supply those necessities. In other words, we're really dismissing that person and say, I only care about myself. I don't care about you. You take care of yourself. All talk, no work. It doesn't profit that poor brother or sister That kind of faith does not profit you or me. For faith without works is dead. James gives another illustration. That's one I mentioned already. You say you believe that God exists well and good, but even the devil believes that, doesn't he? Verse 19, and he trembles. A person that professes to believe all the facts of the Bible, the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and yet does not have a faith that shows itself in his life, is fooling himself, and maybe he fools others also, right? There are those hypocrites in the church. You can't hardly distinguish them from other believers. But each of us is called to look at our own hearts, aren't we? Do I have a living faith or is it a dead faith that does no good? How will that kind of dead faith show itself in the church The person makes a beautiful confession of faith. They say, I believe in God. I believe in Christ. I believe in salvation by grace alone. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I come to church. I never miss a service. You might hear sermon after sermon after sermon, yet there's no radical change in one's life. Oh, they might say they are sorry for their sins, but then they don't leave those sins, but they continue to wallow in them. They are warned to seek the kingdom of God, to flee the world. But on Monday through Saturday, they live just like the world. They give themselves to that world, they sing the songs of the world. They take part in its sinful pleasures. How does a dead faith show itself when a person has no time in their schedule to read the Word of God or to pray? It shows itself by the person that wants to satisfy their own flesh rather than denying themselves and bearing the cross of Jesus Christ. Dead faith shows itself when it's all talk. It's just a mouthing of empty words. Jesus speaks about that, doesn't he, in Matthew chapter 25? There we read in verse 42 and 43 I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, ye took me not in. I was naked, ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Do you see how that corresponds exactly to the illustration that James gives here about words to that poor, hungry person? Go, be filled, be satisfied. Doing nothing for them, Jesus warns them. I was hungry, I was thirsty. Then they shall say, answered the Lord, saying, "Lord, when did we see thee a hungered and a thirst, or a stranger, or a naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee?" When, O Lord? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. What does the Lord say about a dead faith? They will say, Lord, Lord! Lord! And he says to them, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Ye have no part in me. I never knew you. Oh, may the Lord come and say to us instead, earlier in that passage, I was a-hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see thee a-hungered, or fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? Or when saw we the stranger took thee in, or naked, or clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. One who does no works of love and of mercy and obedience does not have true faith. It is counterfeit faith. It is imitation faith. It is fake faith that does not save. That does not save. Notice with me in the third place, then, our third point a living faith that works. And that's what this passage of James is all about, and that is really the crux of all the practical practical matters that James brings before the Christians in his day and still today. True faith makes itself evident in its fruit. Then you know it's a good fig tree that you can pluck fruit off from. It's a saving faith, a living faith that works. What does that mean for us in our passage? It is faith that prays without wavering, doesn't doubt, but trusts. It's a faith that not merely hears the word, but does the word. It's a faith that bridles the tongue rather than lashing out at the neighbor, even while blessing God. It's a true faith that's slow to wrath, slow to speak, does the word of God. It's a true faith that visits the fatherless. And the widows in affliction. It's a faith that works in a person so they seek to and they work hard to remain unspotted from the sins of the world. It's a faith that obeys God. For Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. True faith bears the fruit of love, love for God, love to God. And it reveals it not merely by words saying, "I love you, Lord," but in actions, indeed. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey living faith. James sets forth from the scriptures examples of that, doesn't he? Abraham. Abram is a friend of God, he loved the Lord. When God says, Pick up, I want you to show you a place. Without question, he goes to a country that he doesn't know. There he's in that country, and God puts him to a test. Probably after Sarah had already died. Not sure of the time there. God says, Abram, take your son, your only son, the one I promised to you. And go to Mount Moriah and you offer him up to me. Boys and girls, you know that story, don't you? Isaac must have been about 20, 22 years old already. Abram's about 120. As they're going to climb up the mountain, Isaac says to his father, Hey, father, here we have the wood. Here we have the fire, the coals. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. They climb the mountain. The altar is made. We see something about Isaac. How he also obeyed. That is, he gave himself over. You've got a 120-year-old man putting a 20, 22-year-old man on, on an altar And in his heart, raising the knife up, in his heart, he had offered up the Lord, up his son. How could he do that? Because the promise was that in this son, in Isaac, that he would be a father of many nations. How could he do it? Except he believed that even if he must offer up his son, the Lord would raise his son up again. Because he believed that the words of the Lord were sure, were pure. Just as we sang. That's an act of faith, isn't it? A faith that lives, demonstrates itself. Thankfully Sarah wasn't there because surely she would have tried to stop that hand or that knife or that whole trip to Mount Moriah. True faith. Take another one from the Bible, Rahab is given. In her city with thick walls, big tall walls, the ungodly lived, but she had heard about the Israelites and she had heard about the Israelite God and what that God had done in Egypt and what that God had done in the wilderness wandering over against the Amorites that had attacked. She believed in that God. She put her life in the hands of that God for she hid those spies knowing that if she was caught surely she would be put to death along with them but she believed in that God. She hid those spies. She gave herself. That's a living faith to the people of God. Use more illustrations. Ruth, her husband's gone. The Israelites had no dealings at all with the Moabites normally, yet she gives herself to be one of that people. She confesses, I want to be one of those people. Go with you and live there with God's people. Or to use more illustrations, Noah. There's going to come a flood, Noah. There had not been a drop of rain yet. There was dew over the earth, but never rain. Noah, I want you to build this huge ark. For 120 years, Noah showed his faith and he built the ark because he believed God. That's a living faith. Or David. While the rest of the Israelites are scared out of their boots about that giant who came out roaring against them, that Philistine, David believed that the battle was the Lord's and that the Lord would give victory. And in that faith, he acted dinty. He went up and he picked up those stones and he took his sling against that big old giant. And defeated him. Faith. True faith. Faith that works is active. That kind of living faith is the faith that saves. That is the true faith over against the counterfeit faith. Words, 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 but no action. Vibrant faith. Knowing our sins, we confess those sins, we flee, we fight against those sins, and we rejoice in the great salvation that we trust, that we know that we have in Christ Jesus. A living faith. So that we can go out and fight the good fight of faith. So that we can run the race that is set before us. In that fighting and in that racing, striving always for God's glory. Living for Him in love and in obedience. Oh beloved, James writes this to the Christians of his day. Do you have that living faith or is yours a counterfeit faith? And God by his spirit comes with that word to you and me today. Do you have that living faith? We might confess that we do, but do we really have that? Or is ours merely a dead orthodoxy? lacking spiritual activity. God, save me from myself. Oh, Lord, continue to work and continue to strengthen that lively, vibrant, living faith that lives for God, for His glory, that trust in Him, and obeys Him. Amen. O Father, we thank Thee for the gift of faith. We thank Thee that we have been bonded to Christ Jesus with a living bond, drawing our life from Him and Him living in us. And that life of Christ Jesus in us producing fruit. For thy glory in the service of Christ Jesus in his kingdom. Bless our worship today, Father, that we might not only be hearers of the word, but that we may be doers of that word. That thou wilt send us forth from this place as servants of Christ Jesus, demonstrating our love for Christ by the way we treat one another. For yes, Father, the second table, the law, is exactly the way that we show our obedience to the first table, the law. Hear us in Jesus' name, amen.